It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 501 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Join me on the show for episode 501 is Bertrand Hazard. Bertrand is the VP of Marketing at Trust Radius. I'm looking forward to talking with them because Trust Radius is part of a growing set of third-party, independent, crowdsourced review sites for SaaS applications. And these are becoming really important resources for buyers that are evaluating solutions in various markets. And I want to explore how these sites operate and the value that they provide to buyers and sellers alike. So, Bertrand Hazard, welcome to Accelerate. I'm doing very well, and uh, thank you for having me on your show today, Andy. Yeah, we were just talking briefly before I started recording the the interview that uh, it's yeah sort of a a big occasion for you as well as we're recording this that the the French elections are going on and you you get to to go vote tomorrow. I find that interesting that there are locations in in the U.S. set aside for French citizens to vote. Uh, I guess you're into a French language school or something. Yes, actually a trilingual school. Um, trilingual my kids, school? Yeah, my, my, kids, uh, my kids have the uh, luxury of actually being trilingual because my wife is actually originally from Peru. So we are a pretty international school, uh, international family. I guess. Uh, so what's the lingua franca at home? English. Well, even the U.S., this is the language of, uh, you know, the, the, the schoolyard, and uh, that's the language that we speak. Okay, so when mom gets mad at the kids, is it Spanish? It's in Spanish. When she gets <laughs> mad at the husband, it's in Spanish. Spanish as well. How's your Spanish? It's uh, good enough, not as good as my English, um, but, but good enough that I can understand. When she's upset, what's she saying? What exactly she's calling you? Uh, she's just like telling me how much she loves me. Um, <laughs> she just like me to listen more to what, you know, she'd like her, her uh, to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, one of those language barriers. I'm sure that's just the cause of the whole thing. So, uh, well, welcome to the show. And, and I start off with sort of standard questions I'm asking all my guests these days, which is in your mind, what is the single biggest challenge that's facing sales reps today? Hmm. Interesting one. I think the biggest single challenge for them um, is to be able to personalize every single conversation that they are having with their prospects. Okay. So why why do we think that's that's a challenge? Because, I mean, you're talking about all channels of communication, not just, you know, talking on the phone or meeting in person or so on, but... Yeah. No, what I mean, what what I mean by that, um, and as you ask me the question, I think what I mean by that is that there is an expectations from the buyers these days that, um, you know, they want to hear how you know whatever you know they are looking at, whatever product or solutions they are looking at is actually going to solve their problem, uh, and and not just their problem, but their specific use case. Um, so especially in the B2B world where we still, um, you know, buy technologies, um, which happens to be, 
um, you know, not not something. It's not like an iPhone where you just like plug it in and then everybody can enjoy the same benefits or the same features from the iPhone. Um, but it's it's really a piece of software. It's a big investment, and so they just want to make sure. And their their expectations is is that you know they want to understand that you know that piece of software is really going to solve the problem that they are trying to solve. Uh, and they also want to understand and make sure that you know the company behind uh, that piece of technology is going to be there for them. Uh, so I think what's What's really important from a sales perspective, but also from a marketing perspective, uh, is to be able to, um, you know, build a, a, a trusted relationship with your with a prospect, uh, and then provide them, you know, that level of information and confidence that you know whatever you're selling to them uh, is actually a fit for them, uh, so that you know ultimately they're going to be successful with with whatever you sold them. Okay, well, I'm. Going back to the point you said is is personalizing the conversation. What you're saying is is really the reps being knowledgeable enough about the products and services they sell, having insights into the customer, their business, and how they would receive value from investing in your product or service. So really, the reps having enough, you know, acumen, capability, whatever we want to label it, to be able to personalize that buying experience. Yeah, and and even more than you know, of course they need to understand their product, but it's really about understanding their buyers, right? What's the motivation well, behind? Well, that's what I said, yeah, the customer and and their yeah. needs and requirements. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so if you were to provide one recommendation for you know a a behavior that that sales reps could could master to personalize the selling processes you talked about, what what would that be? It's probably not going to be revolutionary for you because you do a lot of these interviews. But I think you know the the number one skill um, that you probably need is listening, um, and 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 you know when asking the right questions and listening to what your prospective you know buyers are, are telling you. Um, that's that's really I think the number one skill. Now, how do you do that? I mean, one thing that personally I like to do. Um, when we do uh, sales trainings is to bring on board or to bring in during the tr- sales training some existing customers, but also prospective uh, customers, and then have them to talk and have a conversations with our sales teams, but also with our marketing team. Uh, and, you know, it's really interesting because we usually then survey um, the attendees of these trainings, the sales guys, and, and usually the conversations that we have with the buyers or with the existing customers prove to be the, the content that they must enjoy during the sales training. It's just a great learning experience. It's, it's always, you know, fascinating to me going and looking at, at companies and you have people selling, let's say, to VP of marketing uh, that I'm not asking them where, you know, necessarily they need to have been a VP of marketing in the past, but, but truly they don't spend enough time talking to VP of marketing and just trying to understand what's their, what's their frame of reference, what's, what's, uh, what's keep them up at night and how they make buying decisions. Uh, and I think it's not just something that sales should rely on, you know, the marketing or product marketing team to do. I think it's, it's part of the job as well for sales to, to, to spend a lot of time with buyers and, and again, sometimes prospective buyers and just understand the psychology behind it. Yeah, it seems like one of the real problems, though, that that I encounter, and and that I, when I'm looking at sales teams, evaluating sales teams, working with individual contributors, even you know, management people from time to time that I that I coach, C level people, is that is that we go through this process of you know identifying our 
our ideal client profile and mm-hmm. identifying personas and so on. And so what happens then when the, the sales rep goes in and, you know, it's, again, however they're contacting with his phone or in person or whatever, is, yeah, they ask questions, but they're listening for an answer, not the answer, right? Because they're, they're, they're expecting to hear something. And this is, to me, is one of the real problems we have is you brought up listening is really the, the skill. And I think you know, I call this listening without judgment is really the yes. skill that you need. Because the fact is that, yeah, you may have a persona identified. You may have a ICP identified. You may have their, their needs laid out, you know, typically that you're fine. But, but you know, people's brains operate as sort of pattern-matching machines. And well, if you give them patterns to match against, they're going to default to that using their confirmation bias. And as a result, may very well miss exactly what the customer is saying that the problem is. I, I think you're right. I mean, listening is not easy. Right. I mean, it's it's it sounds easy because everyone think of it of like, well, I'm just going to switch my ears and I'm going to listen to what someone has to say. Um, but you know, like exactly what you said, I think you you hit the nail when you say you know, there's one way is to listen in a very objective way, and one way is to just listen and and basically thinking, okay, this is what I want to hear, um, and that's that's a challenge, and this is why you know you don't have. Um, you know, necessary salespeople, uh, and sometimes you might even use external agencies to do or external consultant to do win loss analysis. Um, when we do, you know, brand exercise, you sometimes want to make sure that you've got like a third party driving some of these conversations because um, otherwise, you know, everyone I think is 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 biased in a way, and they're kind of like, well, this is what this person says, so this is what it means. And, and the truth is, like, you know, we probably should ask, you know, is this really what you mean? You know, and ask the five times why to ultimately come to the core of what people really mean. Um, but that that's someone who has that ability, uh, again, not probably just in sales, but someone who has that ability to really kind of like say, okay, you're saying this, is this really what you mean? But, you know, so in these two scenarios, is it that scenario versus that scenario? If you have the time to do that and you have the ability to do that, I think you can go much quicker to the core of the problem. But most importantly, um, and and uh, and I think that's something which is really important. Um, you know, people on the uh, other side of uh, of the coin will actually uh, you know be happy and and excited to hear that someone is actually paying attention to what they are saying. Why am I laughing at that? But it's yeah, you know, I'm laughing because it's it's it would seem so obvious to be painful, but, but it is. But it is true. It is absolutely I, true. I, I, I jokes with some of the sales guys who happens to be, uh, you know, younger than me. And I said, you know, the, you learn a lot uh, when uh, when you're married. Um, and one of the things is like you, you have to learn how to listen <laughs> and and really understand fast uh, sometimes what someone really means, even if they don't necessarily mean the words uh, or they're not using the words. And, and what you're hearing through the words is not necessarily what they, they really mean. Uh, and so that listening part is, is really highly critical. Um, and I think that. Companies should invest in that. Yeah, I agree. But I think that I was going to interject is I think that even using an example with with your partner, your spouse, is that it's not just you know paying attention to really listen to what they mean. It's to ask a question to clarify exactly mm-hmm. what they mean. And this is a part where so many people miss this this part of it is is yeah we can do all that quote unquote active listening we want to someone, but if we're not I don't necessarily know the five times would do the five times why, but you know, there's a version of why that you can ask several times without becoming annoying 
that helps you get closer to the truth of what's what's being said. And mm-hmm. that's really the job of the salesperson. It's because too often I think it, this operates on multiple levels. One is salespeople, like I said, they sort of do the pattern matching and and follow the path of least resistance in terms of listening for a specific answer. But the other thing is is also is they take at face value what the prospective buyers or the customers tell them. Yep. And you have to be a little skeptical. And sometimes it's it's the skepticism is driven by the fact that, yeah, maybe, or maybe it's not skepticism, maybe it's just a, a reluctance to rush in and acknowledge you you understand what they're saying, is that you know, customers are trying things out on you as well. You know, part of the part of the selling process is they're through talking with you, they're coming to an understanding of what it is that they need. So you got to ask some questions to surface that, not just say, "Oh, okay, thank you." Yeah, let's go to the next question. To and to, to your point, um, I mean, there's two thoughts that comes to mind. Um, one is honestly, I I don't believe this is just something that sales should be doing. It's something that you know, if you think about the the full life cycles and how companies are, are organized, but something that you know product marketers have to do because they they are supposed to understand the buyers in the early mm-hmm. day in, mm-hmm. in the early phase, which means like if they really pay attention and ask the right questions and do really listen, they will actually craft some better message, which ultimately will help the salespeople. Because I mean, we all know that. I mean, sometimes it's it's you get a lot of people who come in and then the sales guys start to talk to them and they realize that you know there's a disconnect between what they can sell and what the person came in in the first place and it's a waste for everybody the the second thing i was going to say and maybe that's a a tactic that personally i use when i do um you know have conversations with um you know customers but even prospective uh, buyers or closed lost I've, i've run a few recently it's to actually replay what people are saying and i and i almost kind of like you know play a little bit of the well just to make sure that I understand what you said, I believe that what you said was this, this, and this. Am mm-hmm. I correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that um, this is extremely useful because one, there's a validation, but it's also lead to even more information because again, that person on the uh, uh, you know is 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 really starting to say, oh, that's interesting. Today I've got someone who's actually trying to listen to me as opposed to selling me something. Um, and it's amazing the amount of information you can extract from that, uh, but also make sure that, you know, you've got a good summary of that conversation that you can replay then later, you know, via emails or the other form of communications. Yeah. I mean, that technique I think is very valuable. I mean, some people call it mirroring technique or mirror back to the people what they said. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, it's another, another good form of question. It, It doesn't necessarily dig down a different level but you then confirm what you think you heard and mm-hmm. and the customer then has a chance to say well yeah maybe i didn't express that as clearly as i wanted if that's what you heard let me let me try again and i've had that happen to me many times and use that technique you talk about specifically and it is very powerful because oftentimes customers as i said they sort of inelegantly expressed what it was they were trying to say or the point they're trying to get across and yeah given a second chance said no no i could be much more clear now perfect right because then you haven't left with a misunderstanding of what exists what it is exactly they're trying to achieve exactly okay so we were talking a little bit before the the show about um trust radius and what you do and i want to give you a chance to to tell the listeners what trust radius does and then you know we're having a conversation really about how it has an impact on how companies market these days and connect with customers so so fill us in a little about trust radius you know what's what's the mission what's the vision 
and uh, start there and we'll we'll jump in well uh, so most of the people know trust radius as uh, being a review platform uh, for technology uh, products so what i mean by that is that we are helping technology buyers to make more informed decisions with authentic in-depth user insights basically content from their peers and content that they can trust now what uh, we are doing for technology vendors is a lot more than that. Uh, what we're helping technology vendors is really to get their customers on the record authentically and at scale, and then use that content to engage and convert their buyers across their own sales and marketing channels. Um, so it's not just about capturing reviews and having reviews posted on Trust Radius. Um, the site is really a mean to an end. What, what it is, it's really about saying, okay, I've got a customer base of let's say a thousand customers. And what I want is I want to get as many of these customers on the record so that I can do a few things with it. I can understand use cases that maybe I'm not aware of. Um, and, and that's usually extremely powerful from a, a product uh, direction, product strategy standpoint. I want to listen to how customers speak about my product. Um, and that's really useful and extremely important for both product marketers, but also for salespeople, because now you can kind of like start to see about how people describe you and describe your products and features in a way that then you can, you know, replicate with prospective buyers. Uh, and then it's important for marketers that can use now the voice of their customers as a way to nurture to 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 nurture you know the prospects that they are engaging with and then for sales uh, which is the most important um, they've got you know now at the tip of their hands the ability to provide um, you know uh, examples what i love to quote to say money quotes from you know existing customers that they can share with their prospects and instead of saying well look you know, trust me, I'm telling you that we can do this and this, they can basically point to a specific quote within a review and say that, you know, don't trust me, don't take my word, you know, look at what John at this company is telling about, you know, our product and services and offerings. So that's in a nutshell what, you know, Trust Radius is all about. We are, you know, we want to, to bring really transparency to how uh, people buy software, uh, but we're also trying to help, you know, vendors to take advantage of their customers and do it at scale. Uh, that's so, in a nutshell what we're doing. Okay, so okay. how are you working with vendors to do that? So with vendors, um, any, any vendor today can come to Trust Radius and uh, they can have their product listed and if they want, um, they can even have, you know, drive their customers to write reviews on Trust Radius. There's a standard template that they can use to do that. And, and it's completely free. It's, it's, there's no, it's not a paper play. We don't like that model of paper play. Now, for other vendors, what we are doing uh, is we're working with them and we're helping them to really not go from zero to 10 reviews, but zero to 100 reviews. We're getting them to, we're getting, really working with them to get a lot more of their customers on the record because we know how to run programs to do that. Uh, and we can also customize the questions within the reviews, which means that if you start with the end in mind, if you start to think about, okay, what's, what would help us to sell? or what's stopping us from selling. Let's say you work for a company 
And you know that your product is highly scalable, but there is perception in the market that your product is not you know, necessarily scalable. What we can do is we can insert questions in the front, uh, at the front end, basically within the review, and ask existing customers to speak specifically around scalability. So what it does is not only you're getting new brands on the record, uh, but you're also getting you know, your customers to speak, you know, generally and authentically about, you know, your features that might differentiate you or help you in your sales process. And then once you've got that content, that's gold, because now that content can be reused, you know, as part of your sales engagement. So if, if everything is free, so what's, what's your business model? The free part is someone who is just basically listed their 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 their, uh, their, their product uh, on their site and then driving reviews. The paid model, the paid part, is when we actually run the programs on behalf of the vendors to Got get it. their customers on the record. And also, what we do is we actually have tools in the back end that allow them to tag their pro- tag all the reviews, tag all the, the the quotes from the reviews, and then we have tools that push that content dynamically and contextually to either their web pages or to their Salesforce instance with their favorite CRM product. Got it. Okay. So when you're helping them drive reviews, you're helping them drive reviews to TrustRadius? Yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Because as I was going through the site and looking at what you guys were doing, it's like, okay, everything's free here. There has to be a paid model somewhere. All right. So that, that makes sense. So who's typically you know the ideal client for you guys? Well, if I look at the roster of customers that we have, we work with, you know, anyone from very large corporations like, you know, the Oracle, IBM, Tipco of the world uh, through, you know, companies like Marketo all the way to much smaller organizations like, you know, a company here in town uh, called Trendkite. Um, really, it's it's less about, you know, the size of the company. It's really about working with companies that really want to put their customers in the in the front hand and, and ultimately, you know, use their customers as the, the voice of the company. Uh, so that's, that's typically who we work with. We usually will work with marketing departments um, and uh, dealing with, uh, with usually the CMO and DP marketing. Um, who, who we engage with, uh, but you know we also work with uh, you know the usually VP of sales who are interested in the content that we can put uh, right in the ends of, of their sales reps. So there's there's like any any sale, there are people who are influencers and there are people who are decision makers. But the key people we work with are, are usually the the CMOs and VP of marketing mm-hmm. of companies. So looking at what you're doing, I mean it, it calls to mind and. And you and I spoke about this a little bit. I said before we we came on the air about how companies now are coming to the realization that the value of the voice of the customer, the value of of social proof through customer test, you know, reviews and so on, is only increasing, and the value of the brand actually, in, in a relative sense, in terms of the role it plays in the customer purchase decision, is is decreasing. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you know, a book I refer to quite often uh, called Absolute Value. I don't know if you've read that book um, by Simonson and Rosen, where they, you know, they talk about this as you know through their research, says that that customers more more than ever um, have the ability to sort of know beforehand what the the derived value from a product is going to be, or the the user experience is going to be before they even buy it. Mm-hmm. Thus, you know, brand becomes less important. But I think it's 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 scary, um, but it's also an opportunity, right? Um, 
and what I mean by that, it's scary because again, um, in the B2B space, and I was, you know, before working for Trust Traders, I've had multiple product marketing and marketing roles for uh, technology software companies. So I come from that world. Um, but people used to be very much in control of their message and the sales process was pretty linear. Uh, so it's scary to think like, Oligi, you know, whatever. Now people are actually getting to learn about our product and then basically develop an opinion before we even engage with them. Uh, that's the that's the scary part. But the, the truth is like when you bring it back to people and say, well, let me ask you, how, how did you pick your hotel? You know, you went on vacations. Where did you go to pick and select your hotel? Oh, I went on TripAdvisor. OK, um, where did you go to, you know, when you go to Amazon? I mean, what do you look at to, to <laughs> buy a, say, make a product? The, the, the world uh, falls uh, into two categories. You either go look at TripAdvisor. Everything else in the world is on Amazon. Well, and so the, the funny bit, it's like people are like, well, of course. And then even when you tell them inside, because there was always the worry from people and from companies saying, but what if I don't get as great of a review? Um, and, you know, in our case, our reviews are about 400 words. So if someone wants to really say something negative about a product they have, it's usually down to the fact that they, they, they were sold a product that didn't fit their use case. So it's not like we have just people complaining for the sake of complaining. That's not a good site for that experience. Um, that we, we, we really focus more about like, you know, very positive, positive and or, you know, people who truly can explain how they've been using the product. But but the point is like if you tell them and say, well, when was the last time you actually went to buy a TV and, you know, you bought the TV, you bought, you bought the TV that only had like a, a five star rating. And, and the answer is like, well, no, if it's if it's too, too good to be true, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't trust it. So the thing is, when you bring back to people and say, well, as a consumer, this is how you behave. Well, the reality is like B2B buyers are also consumers <laughs> in the same way. And they're behaving and, and they're doing exactly the same thing. They go to their peers first. Um, this, is, this is they just want to hear. I mean, let's be honest. We live in a world where trust is really a problem. I mean, you know, people don't trust each other. I mean, just look at the political situations. I mean, nobody trusts, you know, the politicians. There's now the concern about like, you know, can I trust the news that I've got, you know, that I'm receiving? Um, and so what people are doing and what they've been doing on the consumer side, but they're doing on the B2B side exactly the same way. Um, they basically, you know, validate, they either go to their peers first or they validate with their peers the claims that the vendors are making. It doesn't mean that the vendors does not have a role to play. That's the key thing. I mean, in the B2B space, software is still being sold, not just bought. I think that's an important thing. Um, now, why why do I talk about an opportunity? Uh, and maybe because I'm a I'm a bit of a positive guy, but um, you know, let's say I've got 20 sales reps and I've got 300 customers. But what if I could get, you know, 150 customers speaking on my behalf? And, you know, sharing what they what they like about my product and and what they think, you know, some of the great things about it and maybe some of the areas they would love to see, you know, that company, uh, my company kind of like, you know, work on so that they could even do some even greater things. What if I had 150, you know, customers plus 20 sales reps as opposed to 20 sales reps selling for me? When you, when you start to think like this. I think, you know, people start to realize and say, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. So then the next issue is like, you know, typical of, but it's hard and it's, and it's true. It's really hard to get customers on the record and it's been really hard. I mean, I, 
I, I took a job once and the CEO of the company told me, uh, you know, we have two case studies. And I told him, well, they're, they're actually poor and, and outdated. And he said, that's, that's the problem. And he said, uh, I, I want you to, you know, be able to, to get us, you know, 40 customers out of 200 on the record. It took me two and a half years. Now, this was before, you know, buyers and customers were willing to go on the record in social, you know, different social platform. Um, but what we found out, and this was a big epiphany for us, is that actually customers and even from large big corporations are willing to go on the record and and using reviews and the review sites mechanisms to do that. Well, I was going to ask a question because something you said sort of triggered triggered a thought. And so yeah, we we do have this whole issue of of politicians trying to manufacture this idea that all news is fake news except the news that agrees with them. And but part of what the discussion we've seen, you know, during that same period of time is that to the same degree that the news is sort of uh, manufactured on a social level, that that we're seeing this incredible increase in quote unquote fake news in social media. Yeah. And so you know, that supposedly are our peers. So I guess just sort of thinking off the top of my head here is is you know, are we going to run into a situation here where, you know, I'm not saying it's an immediate issue, but one of the concerns being is that, yeah, you know, we start invalidating mentally to some degree the social proof that comes from user reviews and so on because, you know, we're all skeptical of everything that's out there at this point. And it, you know, communicates from the, the consumer space, the social space into the B2B space. And so they say, well, you know, Obviously, those can't be trusted. Well, I think it depends in which format, right? So if it's, if it's, uh, I mean, one of the things, and I think it's on the B2C side, if you think about the review world, there's been more of an issue about fraud. It's much less of an issue on the B2B world. And the reason is because sites like a platform like Trust Radius, um, first, to be able to write a review, you need to sign up with a LinkedIn profile. So you have to be authenticated. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our case, we use we have a human being, a research person who actually, you know, will validate uh, the person and look at whether you know they work for the vendor, they have worked for a competitor, or they work for a competitor, or maybe even have worked for a competitor in the past. Um, and we also, you know, in our case, have people writing reviews which are about four hundred words, um, which you know, when you ask about the pros, the cons, and some of the use cases that they had and what they like about the product, I mean, you know, if you only had one review you could say okay someone could fake it but the point is when you start to have 10 20 hundreds of reviews of one product you can start to see patterns right and it's easy to identify it and in fact we are rejecting um you know anywhere between eight and fifteen percent of the reviews that are being submitted on trust radius um you know every year just because we want to keep the high quality and we want to make the site very trustworthy so and we don't have and we have someone again who basically look at every reviews before publishing it so i think you know what we've done and i think some other foot leadership we had in that space and some other sites kind of like doing very similar things it's it's protecting against that the most important is 
is and and when people come to a site like Trust Radios is is again the fact that one they can see that this is someone real they can actually click on their profile they can learn more about that person they can even go and check on LinkedIn and make sure this is the right person because obviously all the information comes from LinkedIn um, and also they see the depth of content and the depth of content very quickly will tell you if it's you know it's easy to say someone for something for instance like I love product I love product A if all you have is I love product A. But when you really have like 400 words on average, I mean, you 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 can you can't you can't fake it as much. And and again, we we've put in place some very strong process. But to your point, um, you know, will people uh, ultimately disqualify? Uh, I think it's 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 uh, they, they will still always trust their peers. So I mean, it's it's reviews online, but there's also you know they also might validate on a face to face conversations with with other people. Sure, sure. Um, but 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 it's 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 true. I mean, it, it's ultimately you know what this is where for us our mission is really to make it the most trusted you know platform, most trusted third party independent site that exists out there. And this is why we refuse to you know to basically have ads or to you know do any kind of like weird manipulation where you know a vendor might show up more than another vendor because they would pay us to basically drive leads. We don't like that. We want people to come to the site. Uh, ultimately get the information that they need and uh, we don't convert them into leads. Uh, and this was not an easy decision, honestly, from a business perspective, because this is how every other site was operating sure. and still operating. Um, but we we decided that, you know, we were more on a mission and that uh, there were some other ways and better value that we could do. Um, now, do people... You know, uh, it's it's the, the other side, the flip side of what you're saying is also from a vendor perspective. I remember for a comp- working for a company, and I won't tell you the name, but uh, working for a company that actually uh, drove their own reviews and built their own reviews uh, on a, on the site, and they were actually reviews from their real users. Sure. And they did some tests, and their audience uh, in the IT space actually didn't trust these reviews because they could not see where was the source from these reviews. So that's that's also the how important it is to have for us and operate like a party independent review site is because when 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 people go to a vendor site for instance and they see like reviews from trust radios, they can click on them, they can come to the site, they actually see that these are real reviews on a third party site and that it's not everything perfect. Uh, and that's what makes then the content on that page of the vendor site, you know, more credible. Uh, the same as like for the sales reps, when, you know, some customers of us have the integration into Salesforce. And then when they are basically, you know, taking some quotes, sending them into an email, you know, copy paste, send it to, into an email to one of their prospects, the prospect received the email, they can see the face of the person if the person has given us the right to use their face, but they still can click to the review and it brings them back to Trust Radius. Okay. So I think we, we're doing... You know, we're trying to to do it in a way that you know, yes, the vendors can leverage that content, but we, we they still need to put the link back to the reviews because it's 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 in, obviously in their benefit, and and ultimately it's it's just making sure that their buyers don't just think like, oh, you know, they've just created this quote, and you know, that's that's not a real quote. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna have to leave it at that for now because we've reached the end of our time, but. Definitely have you come back on. We'll talk more about uh, Trust Radius and what you guys are doing. And and uh, so in the meantime, you know, tell people how they can learn more about Trust Radius and connect with you. 
they can come to our site www.trustradios.com uh, and if they work for a vendor they can actually look at the four vendors on the um, top menu bar and they can learn more about the services offerings that we do behind or we offer we offer uh, or they can connect uh, with me directly at uh, Bertrand dot uh, Bertrand at trustradios.com or they can uh, also look for, look me up on the, on Twitter at uh, product marketer that's the hashtag all right okay excellent all right well Bertrand thanks for coming on the show today and like I said we'll definitely have you back on maybe talk some soccer the next time we really didn't get a chance to talk about that uh, mainly because you maybe because you made me swear to promise that, <laughs> that I wouldn't bring it up at this time but uh, no guarantees next time well, uh, we'll do it when uh, when the French team wins the next World Cup, uh, and maybe in the meantime, we'll talk about sales and marketing alignment. Some of my great topics I love to talk about as well. But so I really appreciate. It. Thank you for your time, Andy. <laughs> well, I was going to say, how uh, how are the French doing in qualifying? They're, they're doing okay. <laughs> okay, I'm confident. You're uh, confident, yeah. Just like me and the U.S. team, we're we're confident. Okay, all right. We'll, well talk both these days. You know, that's the thing about having both a French. You know, citizenship and also a U.S. citizenship. We 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 got now our brain to split the left side maybe for France, the right side for the U.S. Well, hey, the U.S. may win it for the first time before France wins it again. Why not? Why not? Anything's <laughs> possible. All right, Bertrand, thank you very much for joining me, friends. Thank you for spending the time with me today. Please join me again tomorrow and every day on Accelerate. We have great content for you seven days a week. Uh, and before then, you know, really appreciate it. Go to iTunes, subscribe to Accelerate, or do it on the podcast app on your phone. Leave a review. We want to hear from you. Leave a review, the topic of the day here on the show. We, <laughs> that's an independent site you can go to at iTunes. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>